0: Why not sports? It impacts your everyday life. Why not sports? It's more than on and off the court. Why not sports? Hey, why not sports? D Murph, you a fool for this you one.
1: For this one.
0: <laughs> yeah, we interrupt this regularly scheduled programming for this special report. I'm Cole Johnson of Cole Sports, and this is your Why Not Sports Short.
1: What's going on, everybody? This the big homie D. Murph with another edition. Hey, actually, this is a Why Not Sports Short, but world listeners, NFL, sports fans, I'm just truly, truly, truly excited to have. A couple of people, but first and foremost I have everybody's dog, my dog co host of Why Not Sports, Big Roy, Boy, Turn Up Row. What's up, man?
0: What's happening, D Murph, man? Good hey. to be back on the air again, man. Man, it seemed like yesterday. <laughs> it seemed like yesterday, huh? You know, so you know how we be doing, man. But it's yeah. good. It's good. It's gonna be a good show, man.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir, yes, sir. But World, I'm not going to keep you waiting. We're blessed to have a gentleman that is doing what I want to do when I get grown. Currently has a podcast titled Locked On Broncos Podcast. Work with the Denver Broncos. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Cody Rourke. From the affiliated, just being affiliated with the Denver Broncos, podcaster, former student athlete, rocking with us on Why Not Sports. Hey, brother, what's going on, man? Thank you for hey. taking, taking your time, man. Just
2: kicking it with us. Hey, d Murph, man, I appreciate being on here with you guys, man. Obviously, Big Roy, I appreciate the uh, invitation. You know, uh, anytime I get a chance to hop on and just talk sports, and that's just something I'm passionate about, man, so being able to hop on here with you guys, and you guys are especially passionate about it, man. It just, I, I share the same sentiments, man. It just sounds a lot like me when I started out, and you know what? That's a, that's the most important thing, man. Just Sports brings people together, man.
1: Why not uh, sports? Y'all heard them yeah. listeners? Why not sports, man? man, it's a beautiful thing. And and Cody, if you can just let the world, man, just have more information about you. I know you were saying that you were a former athlete and just how, how did, when did, when did your love for sports begin?
2: Oh man, you know what? I've been a big sports fan, actually a big Broncos fan since birth, man. I'm 23 years old and, uh, You know, back – I got pictures back when I was, uh, I think, two years old, three years old, four years old when the Broncos, you know, won the Super Bowl in in 1997, 1998. Yes, sir. A Broncos helmet, a John Elway jersey you know, I've got pictures of that from being a kid, and just so I've always been a sports, you know, fanatic ever since, uh, you know, being a young kid, and and that's definitely a big part of me growing up, especially, you know, I think sports was something that really kept my head on straight throughout life, man, I'll tell you what, I grew up without a father, Mm. mother had a lot of drug issues, man, I I went, you know, through all that whole realm of things, but the thing that kept me, you know, sane was sports, man, and being able to just go to the park and play football, tackle football, Uh, you know, when you're a young kid at the (laughs) (laughs) hey man i don't
1: like tackle football i'll be ready to fight i tell big roy that a lot that's why i didn't play because i'll be ready to beat up somebody man y'all be especially what position did you play you play
2: defense yeah man i played uh i played wide receiver and i played cornerback man i uh i played football for about 14 total years um all throughout high school and then i played about five or six years in a developmental league here in colorado man uh as a cornerback (laughs) You know, all conference cornerback every year. Uh, I came into the league when I was 18 years old. Uh, you know, I graduated high school. Uh, the thing about high school, me playing in high school, was my senior year, you know, that was my campaign. Mm-hmm. That was the, you know, the all, all you got, all you got, display it, whatever you have. Because that's it, you know, and and that's a big reason why I coach high school football. I'll tell you guys about that here in a little bit. But, uh, you know, high school, you know, played my butt off, had fun, man. Enjoyed the process. We only won one game. But, you know, the thing that I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed is that, you know what, it's it's different. When you just come together with, you know, people you go to school with and you give your all, regardless of the result, man, you have no regrets at all. You know, and my season ended probably with two games left in the regular season, man. I got a a pretty severe concussion, man. It it Mm -hmm. lasted All the symptoms lasted up to six months, and, you know, I didn't know if I was ever going to play again. You know, I was hoping to go play some college football somewhere, but, uh, you know, the concussion really took me out of the game. So, you know, I looked for different ways to better my options. I moved back to Colorado and uh, found a developmental team here, Uh, and then obviously, you know, signed a contract with them. and. And started playing man and and i tell you what i it made me fall in love with the process once again especially after you lose a sport for a while when you don't get to play it for a while and yeah. you don't know if you're ever going to play it again right you go through the process and and you know what it's crazy because we we're winning <laughs> you know i wasn't right. used to that right um so you know won three won three uh adfl championships and uh you know got to play against a san francisco team uh in a national championship and we fell short but uh You know, my career ended, my playing career ended back in 2015. Uh, I Mm -hmm. tore my ACL, man, and uh, Mm I tell you what, people don't really realize how painful that injury really is. You see it on the field, and you're just like, man, you know, I feel bad for that person. When you actually experience it, man, I tell you what it's it's rough man It it is the worst pain i've ever felt in my life so that kind of ended my playing career man and uh you know i i don't have any regrets because i you know i left it all out there on the field but uh yes, you know now i get to live my passion that's how i found a new hobby you know i couldn't Yay. play football so i was like hey how, how do i how do i you know cure this itch that i have yes with sir sports. Talk about it. Talk about it on the radio podcast. And I was like, okay, so there's my new passion. So that's where it all started, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. sir.
1: Well, listeners world is is a beautiful thing that just hearing Cody speak for the first part of the show and those who rock with us, y'all heard us say the same thing. We were out of the game for a while. It was like, man, I, I got to be around it. I need to talk about it. And now it's, it's just a beautiful thing to hear another brother, a former student athlete, actually have just the same passion. And it's just us to link up is definitely a beautiful thing. And how, okay, so once your career was done, what, what what was your thought process? Like, what is next? Or did, were you working, doing something else? Like, I, what was your next decision once your playing career was
2: done? Oh, man, I had no idea where to start, man. <laughs> I was – it was almost like – i lost i I lost myself i was like man who am i what the hell am i gonna be doing now you know when you when you lose someone something's part of your life for about 14 15 years yes sir you know playing sports and and all of a sudden you have you don't have it anymore you kind of go through this kind of depressed stage and and for for a long while man i was sitting there just kind of depressed like man you know i don't know who i am without you know being able to play football being able to play sports and and that was a hard part for me but uh you know, what What did it for me is what got me through my ACL rehab and, and surgery was, you know, I had a lot of time just sitting in a bed. I had to sit in a bed, do nothing, go to physical therapy. And the thing that got me through it was listening to podcasts. I was like, man, I love, I love listening to this stuff, man. I'm going to do this. So <laughs> for me, I was like, okay, so now how do I do it? And I was like, you know what? You got to get a studio microphone. You right. got to find a good setup. And you got to just figure out how you're going to deliver your show, how yes, you're sir. going to you know share your perspective your vision your passion with other people who are equally as passionate about it and relate to them and so at that point that's where I started constructing this is what I want to do and so at that point I've just been working egregiously hard for it uh, ever since man so that's definitely the part but you know definitely losing kind of a sense of identity after the playing career was over and figuring out what am I going to do next because that's all I knew for 14-15 years so that was the hard part
1: And people don't understand, and Big Roy, you can definitely chime in. When we say we love sports, like you said, 14, 15 years, almost half of your life or more than half, it's like if I don't have that, what's next? I don't know nothing else.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm sitting here listening to Cody's story, and it's so much the same to the athletes. You know, you've been doing this one sport or two sports 15, 14 years of your life. That's all you know is football or if you're a basketball player. All of a sudden, it gets taken away, especially from, like, an injury. Because I, I went through the ACL, too, Cody. So, I know it's exactly oh, man. man. So, it's, 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 uh, people hear about the ACL, how the rehab process is, and it's brutal. <laughs> it is brutal. You know, man, do things on one leg and gain strength and muscle memory, all that stuff factors into it. And it's kind of a mental thing at the end of the day, too, with the two. Mm-hmm. So, a person like you, I can tell you
2: mentally strong to get through it and yeah, find your way now. through it. You know,
0: Applaud both of you now? You know, it's a lot. I applaud you in that, man.
2: Well, I appreciate that, man. You know, the crazy thing, guys, is I actually, I, I re tore my ACL. I have a torn ACL right now. Mm. And, uh, I tell you what, man, it was, it was one of those, like, are you kidding me type moments? How the heck did I do it doing that? You know, <laughs> and it is just, but you know what? I'm not doing the surgery. I'm, I'm going to wait till I have to get a knee replacement one day. But, uh, <laughs> man, I tell you what, it is, uh, it, it is very frustrating, but, uh, you know, Hey, you know, Roy, big question for you, obviously going through the ACL, you know, uh, Did you try to come back and play after that? Because I know I tried to, and it was kind of a discouraging process for me. Did you uh, go through the process of trying to come back?
0: Well, mine happened for me because I I went to play college football. I played college football at UTEP. (laughs) 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 you and I was I was a freshman there I was going through spring training and all that you know and I had a chance to you know not shirt, you know be actually be on the travel squad and all that and we're going through we're not we were in training camp we're going through training camp and I'm going against number one running back in pass drills and I make a cut you know and I went down you know and I knew mainly something was wrong you know but I knew like i didn't i never had surgery before before that i didn't i didn't want to have surgery but mm-hmm. they told me they had to do it but the process was for me was pretty good like i knew that i had more time to get ready and focus on school and getting my body ready for to come back and be a real time athlete in college football because i'm looking around me and all i can tell i'm not built for college football yet coming from high school you know so but mentally i, I Mentally, it had me down for a little bit. I'm not gonna lie, Cody, because you know I've been playing football. I was playing football at a high level in high school. Like I heard those stories, so you weren't win much. In my high school, we was winning. <laughs> yep. you we know, right. was deep in the we deep in the playoffs every year. You know, so I, it was it was it was a step back from me to take football away from me for like six to eight months. You know, mm-hmm. and sit there and have to watch a game from the stands, and where I've been playing, and being a starter and doing all this for all for like the last four or five years. So mentally, when I 'cause because I was young too, you know, I was a freshman. You know, so I'm thinking I'm finna come in here and play and get to travel and get to, all the extra stuff, and not blow my knee. You know, but throughout the process, I was helped by a lot of guys that seniors and guys who've been through that type of surgery and tell me what the rehab process was. And but like I said, it, it hurt me, man, because I I, I I use my I use a lot with my legs, my speed and strength as a playing linebacker. You know, you know. Hey, look at this! Server. I got a cornerback and I got a mm. linebacker. I got some defensive juggernauts. Defensive you, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, man. But it, it, I mean,
0: it, it helped me mentally, man. Get over it, man. Like I say, like you tell me right now, you heard, you heard it again. I, I, I can, I couldn't imagine going through a second surgery.
2: Mm, yeah me either that's why i'm not doing it
0: (laughs) (laughs) i again i'm I'm gonna knock on wood
1: the big homie been fortunate world so uh yes a much respect though y'all on that aspect and still not giving up man to now both you guys are successful and how cody this is for you man so with the podcast how long have you been podcaster Oh man,
2: I'd say this is probably my third year doing the podcast, man. Okay. Jumping into year number three, man, and I, I swear, you know, every man. every month or so, I learn something new about it, and I yeah. find new ways to improve. That, and right. that's crazy, man. You're always learning in this game, so that's the exciting thing. You got to always find ways to spice things up, and and uh, you know, obviously, figure out what the what the pulse is. If you figure out what the pulses of your listeners and and that stuff, you can touch on, and, and people just love, it. like I said, people just love genuine sport conversation because. Those are the conversations they're having with themselves or if they're buddies, if they're carpooling on the way to work, yeah. it's all sports talk.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And as into your three years, how did you and the Denver Broncos link up?
2: Well, man, you know, it's a crazy thing. I started off doing my podcast at first and, you know, I called it the uh, the Coach's Corner podcast, you know, because I got into, fo- you know, I was coaching high school football, you know, throughout the entire time. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I was just talking about sports and, and the NFL and, and sports topics and, you know, uh, developed a close friendship with a former Denver Broncos safety, Nick Ferguson. Uh, he's a guy that played back uh, in the in 2005 for the mm-hmm. Broncos and went to the AFC Championship game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes. He was a ah! very <laughs> important part of them. I'm yeah. laughing because uh, yep. Big Roy,
1: what you know about them Steelers, bro? <laughs> <laughs> he
0: knows everything about them Steelers. Get nation all the way down. I mean. <laughs>
2: But, uh, you know, and so with that, you know, I just started developing connections, man. I started reaching out and, and talking to people and saying, hey, you know, I'm doing a podcast. Would you be interested in, you know, joining me on the show to talk? And and Nick and I, we talked, man, we had multiple episodes. We talked about his best stories. Obviously, his one of his favorite moments was uh, tackling Jerome Bettis the in bus. the NFL regular season <laughs> and forcing Jerome Bettis to fumble the ball. And the Denver Broncos ended up winning the game after that. You know, wow. it was a game-sealing game ceiling. Thing. and then obviously you know talk about the 2005 AFC Championship game where they came into Denver and you know Big Ben Young Big Ben man yeah, led his yeah. team to the Super Bowl against the Seahawks that year and uh <laughs> and we talked about you know what what it's like being in the NFL and obviously you know this is when the movie Concussion came out and right. that was a very controversial point in the sports yeah. world that made people think and was there was the a one lot of with denial Bill
1: Smith right
2: Yep yep and there was a lot of denial uh around the league when the movie came out and, and Dr. Bennett Omalu findings in his research on CTE and obviously, you know, with the loss of Junior Seau and, and yeah, other yeah, yeah. former NFL players, people don't, you know, it was like a war against football. And to be honest with you, I'm a guy who's had six concussions and I'll tell you what, man, there's a little bit of something that affects me every day, so I get it. So, we had a very good conversation, Nick and I, and, and mm-hmm. you know, obviously, uh, Vance Johnson, former Denver Bronco, yep. he he gave a very uh, good statement on it, and we talked about it, man. You know, it's just a conversation, you know what, head injuries happen, but the thing, the key point, and I hope that any listeners out there, you know, that have young kids or kids in high school or if their kids are in college playing college football and are and worried about head injuries, they're worried about, you know, these things. Players know when we go into a game, when we sign up for football, we know the risks associated with what we are doing. We understand that we could be seriously injured. And you know what? We love the game. I, you know, I told it, I said it on the media this time. I said, you know, when I die and I pass away, if they find CTE in my brain, I don't want there to be a war on football. I knew very well what I was getting into, and I have no regrets, right. you know. I have no regrets. So I don't want there to be a war on football because, you know what, there's injuries. You can get a concussion walking down the side of the street and somebody throws a toaster out the window and they're mad at their, you know, their right. ex-boyfriend or girlfriend and it hits you in the head. And guess what? Bam, you got a concussion. Yeah. You know, are we going to yeah. have a war on toasters? I don't think so.
1: Right, right, right. That's
2: a, that's a unique perspective. That's good. Yeah, so, you know, that, that's where it'll start out, the Coach's Corner podcast. And then uh, uh, I was approached by David Locke of the locked on podcast now david Locke is the radio uh voice of the utah jazz and he sent me a message and he said hey you know what i uh, i've got a locked on network we have an nfl branch and an nba branch and uh we're looking for somebody to host a locked on broncos podcast and and i came across you and i you know i'd like to interview you and nice. talk to you and i was like absolutely man nice. i was like this is cool <laughs> so uh I do the interview You know, I talk with David, and uh, David gets back to me and says, you know what, you're the guy for it. Uh, So I signed the contract, and then, uh, you know, a lot of what I do is is not coincided. It's covering the Broncos daily, and, uh, you know, I get a lot of good feedback from members within the Broncos, organization players, and and some people, um, obviously some of the PR staff as well. You know, it's just a, nice. it's just to cover them. You know, and that's the number one thing is there's a lot of podcasts, a lot of blogs out there. Right. You know, and I write for a Broncos blog, predominantly orange, and and the issue is, you know, you as a guy who's talking about sports and about radio, you cannot be overly critical. You know, you can't be negatively. Right. Uh, Critical of a team, you know. You, you know, for me, my job is to cover the team the way I, you know, that I see how things are going. To be objective, to provide that devil's advocate voice of reason. That uh, yeah, you know what, the Broncos went five and eleven this year. And these were areas they struggled in, but these are also some things they did good. And this is what they have to do in 2018 to get better. So you just got to provide legit coverage uh, of the team, you know? And so that's, that's a good thing about me in terms of connecting with the Denver Broncos and obviously sports community members. And you know what, It, it causes a great discussion. You know, all over Twitter, man. I tell you what, it's unbelievable the amount of discussions I've had in the last month with people on Twitter just about sports, the NFL, and even the Denver Broncos. And everyone's like, oh, the quarterback situation. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> we're going to work. We're, we're working on it. <laughs> you know, so yes, that's how so. it all got started, man. That's the evolution of the Cody Rourke journey into podcasting. and And obviously, I'm eager to see what goes on. Here for it. I was actually thinking about changing my major, man. You know, I'm I'm going to the University of Missouri right now, Mizzou. Hey,
1: uh, go Tigers! Oh, my bad. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> for my for my uh master's degree, and that's oh, in man. positive coaching, you know. But uh I'm just starting to think, you know, what maybe I might change it into journalism. Um, you just never know in this day and age, man. You know, with the education system being the way it is, I'm a right. teacher as well, so I kind of right. see how that goes. But uh. You know journalism and obviously covering things is the way, in my opinion, I think things are going to be the most popular realm of, of talking about sports in the future.
1: Well, I'm uh, wait. Let me write that down. Journalism for the future <laughs> of sports. Oh, I think I'm gonna found my new career then, y'all. I got to, <laughs> but I'm a speaker though. I can write, but anyway, I got to work on that part. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so now that and, and and now we're gonna talk about your coaching your your opportunity to give back to the game i don't coach the reason why i don't i'm gonna be honest man is because of financially i I don't think for me i i i make more doing what i do as a degree man than being able to coach because Mm -hmm. i'm using utilizing my degree as well as my experience in logistics to allow me to make you know i believe uh a nice amount and for me, coaching has is, is always been something I'm like, man, how can somebody like us, or at least me, have the experience and the credentials and still can not make, I believe, a decent salary? So in my case, maybe I'm just looking wrong or I'm in the wrong you know, area. But for me, coaching, as far as financially, is not able to, for me, pay you know my bills and support my family as the main gig.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely, and, that, and that's a hard thing, man. About about coaching is you know you put a lot of time in it. You know, I tell you what, during uh during high school football season, I probably put in well over ninety hours a week, in, and just coaching, and that's a seven day week. You know, seven days a week job. It's, it's a Monday, Tuesday, yep. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Well, Saturday, you got to come in and start game planning for the next week. Sunday, you have your coaches meetings. You have yep. your install plans ready to get set up and. Man, it's time consuming, and, and to be honest with you, you know, with the education system, coaches don't get paid a lot unless you're coaching in the state of Texas, Florida, Ohio, or California, or even Las Vegas. Th- those are those are the key areas that really pay their coaches a lot of money. All well, these I'm other in the other right surrounding state. states. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, all the pipeline states, man, that feed directly into Division One college football programs. Those are the ones that get the most paychecks because they, you know, they're the ones that are sending guys into, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, Florida my, you know, university of Miami, Florida state, you know, yeah. USC, UCLA, all these big name, you know, division one teams that, that are out there in the, you know, college football system. And, you know, those are the ones that get paid the most, but you know, a lot of people I, I've had to learn. I, I love what I do, you know, despite the paycheck, you know, the paycheck is never enough compared to the amount of time you put right, in, right. but it's the process. Right. And, and, you know, I love the game enough that, I want to make the process for the kids that I coach right. to be successful, right. and to see them go off—that's that's all worth it. And to have a kid yeah. come back in ten, fifteen years and say, "Hey, coach, remember that time you you know you told me this? You talked to me about this? That really." Stuck with me throughout this time. And, and so I appreciate that. You know, that's, yeah. that's all I really, that's the paycheck. That's the buyout that I yeah. really have in terms of coaching at the high school level. Coaching yeah. in, in any level in specific is having kids come back and say, hey, I remember what you did. I remember you held me accountable. I appreciate you being somebody who pushed me. Yeah. So that's why I do it, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Now,
1: if I would have had that mindset before kids, yeah. You know, I was like, <laughs> man, uh, <laughs> now it's like, oop, I got a kid at 24.
0: Yeah, I, I gotta make something happen now. <laughs> yeah, yep. Cody, a kid Cody, after I gotta, that? I can see where Cody's coming from because I, 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 I still have a relationship with my my high school coaches till today. Like That's we good. still talk every time I, I see him at church or wherever. I go to a game and text. They still we still talk and we still talk about things he told me before I left college. You know, and, and nice. they still r- r- right, riddles with me today my whole life. You know, so what Cody just said. Is 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 on point, you know? Because you can yeah. touch that. We can talk to that one player, and that might live with him through our college. turn he turns hit the real world, and see he's starting a family, and that's facts, man. And I got a question for you because you was a player at one time, right? Yeah. And now you are into coaching. So, what do you think is the biggest transition from going into the player to coaching thing aspect? You know. So, what do you think? Like, is the biggest transition because most people call it. A, a, Probably going to call you from the jump. You're a, you're a player's coach because <laughs> you've been yeah. through the transition of a player and the meetings and all that training stuff. So we think it's a big difference between going from a player to the coach.
2: Now, it's, the, it's the learning curve. It's the process. As a player, you practice what the coaches install and you implement, and then when you become a coach, you have to actually create the plan. You have to actually create a process to implement it. And so it's completely different. You know, me being a young guy, I'm uh, 23 turning 24. I'm about maybe five or six years removed from playing high school football. And, uh, you know, the process for me being a young coach was to learn that you got you to gotta be, you know, not hard on the kids, but you can't be their friend. You know, that's the, that's the number one thing. You know, at times you can have, you know, moments after practice where, you know, you have a, a friendly conversation with your player, talk about life. But on the football field, it's business. You know, you've got to get the most out of a practice, out, out of every repetition that you have. And we try to, you know, we keep our practices about maybe two hours, hour and a half, two hours, because we, we hit it short and sweet. We pay attention to the process because we've learned that over time, keeping kids out there for three hours, anything more than about two, two and a half hours, the retention, the burnout rate increases, especially if you've got to worry about these kids and academics being eligible You know, you keep them out on the football field for that long and they get home about 7.30 or 8 o'clock. Well, guess what? They haven't had dinner. They still got to do homework. They're probably going to stay up late. They're going to be stressed. So you're not going to get the best out of your athletes if they are burnt out from the process. So, you know, we try to teach it, simplify it work hard at it in practice and carry it over into games and uh, you know that, that's the hard thing you know is just uh trying to get all that balance you got to find balance and that's the hard part as a coach but uh the thing that i've really learned is that you know going from a player to a coach i know i know what i know but i don't know everything and nice. that's the important part so the head coach that i learned under he you know he's a high school football coaching legend and and obviously he, he played down there in pennsylvania he played football um where Darrell Reeves played, you know, and mm-hmm. where, okay. you know, Mike cut played and, you know, down there in the, in the Steel Town, Pennsylvania Steel. And uh, the, the thing that I've learned from him being a f- – he's been coaching high school football for 40-plus years. And, man, I tell you what, hearing stories – and and hearing, think you know, he sat down with he sat down with Nick Saban and and guys and obviously Gene Chizik and and other key college coaches that we all know very well. And mm-hmm. I, I tell you what, you know, you get to learn a lot from just listening to somebody who's been through it, especially yeah. with how the eras have evolved. I'm you know being around. I'm sure if you guys go to sporting events at the high schools, whatever it may be, you know, the culture of sports and the culture of high school and school is so different now than it was when I was, you know, and that that six years being removed is, is from when I graduated in 2011 compared to what it is today. It's just society standards are so different. Mm -hmm. The kids that you work with now, a lot of kids, this is a generation where there's a lot of entitlement, where I deserve this, even if I don't work for it. And, and that's the hard part. And obviously the era where we have the LeVar Balls of the world that, you know, <laughs> that they make it all about their kids. And so yeah. now we have that, you know, as a high school coach dealing with that with parents who say, well, my kid is better than this kid. My kid should be playing over this kid. I'm like, that's not how it works, and you shouldn't be talking about another kid. I said, to right. be honest with you, I said, you know, come, come into meetings. Yep. Check out check out his attendance. Check out his grades. Ooh. Check out his effort <laughs> in practice. Those are the things that we use as evaluators in terms of who gets to play. You know, we, we got to get away from the culture of, you know what, there, we have some good players. We can't play the best players if they're not going to class, skipping practice. You can't do that. The small intangibles.
1: It's not Mm -hmm. all based on talent. Character. Drive. Desire. Will. All that fun stuff, just add to what you're saying, Cody, is what is important for those student-athletes. And you hitting it on the head now that you are doing it. And I hope we do have some student athletes that are in high school that's listening right now you're hearing from three former student athletes that are very successful in their respective sport and was you know in the real world and we've all believed to make it our character was what really offset everything else to get us yep. to where we are even though we were talented but like you said coming in before practice making sure we stay late lifting weights or you know watching film or studying our craft to become better or the best in our position or be one of the best on the team to still be recognized
2: even years you know down the road Yep. Absolutely, man. And that's the crazy one. That's the crazy thing about it is, you know, we just got to get back to uh, focusing on, on what truly matters. And that's just, it's about the experience. It's not about, you know, what uh, we yeah. look at wins and losses, that's great. Yeah. Winning is a byproduct. but what are you going to teach these kids? What are these kids going to learn through going through hard times at the high school level as they're teenagers, where teenagers, they probably deal with a lot of adversity, but they had support along the way. You push them, they have their parents, they have their coaches, they have their peers, but People don't realize when you get older, when you graduate high school, most of the time you're going to go separate ways with a lot of your friends. You're going to be by yourself in many different ways. And so you've got to find a way to take something with you during high school, a lesson learned. How to, you know, going through hard times, and that will better you for whatever hard experiences that you deal with as right. you enter adulthood in the real world, and mm. and trying to figure out what you want to do with your life. That's the that's the key these days, man. And I feel like a lot of people have really lost track of mm. what high school sports really means.
1: Mm. Yeah, man, yeah. that's powerful. That's powerful. I'm excited, man.
2: <laughs> hey, really? I, I haven't even had my morning coffee yet, man. I just, I don't know. That just hit me out of nowhere. <laughs>
1: But, and that's the thing, and Big Roy, I'm going to let you add to, to the conversation, but that's why we're here. I've said my purpose is to be a mentor for those student-athletes that now that I am stable in my career post-student-athlete, you know, student athlete, now I can give back. Now I can be a mentor and give some, some tips and, and some gems to those guys or gals who might not have had it, who want to look up, to a D-Murph or a Cody or a Big Roy because we lack that. And I feel that because of our experience, like you said, it's not about winning losses. It's what we've experienced and gained to where when we do become uh, basically done with our sport, we still can make it because of the desire to win, our character, making sure we get to work on time or being able to speak well doing an interview and still have the self-confidence to where regardless – you're still going to be fine. But the sports led us to, to to have those attributes, which we've carried over to the real world. Amen, man. Amen. So, man, what you got, Big Roy, before we get this sports talk going, man? If we got I mean, I'm, ready,
0: I'm ready for the sports talk, really, man. Nah, like look like at Big
1: Roy. That. He over here yeah. itching.
0: Okay, okay. Oh, well, lead us off then, brother. Cody, man, I'm going to jump right into it, man. The Broncos, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: where to start
0: i mean i let me tell you something i was watching i think i came up the ball game with ucla and uh usc and i happened to see john elway on the sidelines or pregame and all that so i'm thinking you know two top quarterbacks coming out from the draft okay john elway what are you, what are you, what are you doing man like <laughs> what are you mm-hmm. doing out there then i look at the quarterback situation you got going on in Denver. you know trevor simeon uh, Brock Osweiler, we know all about him from out here in Houston. And Peyton so. Lynch, <laughs> uh. in the first round pick, Jack Paxton Lynch. Yeah, Paxton, so I'm thinking, yeah. um, what do what do you go from there? You know, because like Trevor Simeon was in there this year, and he got kind of riddled with the injury bug, and he he well, he started off kind of slow and got hit with the interception bug also. Then Brock Osweiler didn't have as much success that I guess y'all thought he would have coming back from where he started, but he had a success at. Then you can look at the investment you have in Paxton Lynch, which I think like, he got his side towards the end of the year, but things didn't work out with that. Or do you think it's time to go back to the draft again? You know, look at those guys from UCLA and USC and the guys like that, or Baker, May- ba- Baker Mayfield. Like, what do, you, what, do you, what do you think the buzz is around with the quarterback situation? Because, I mean, their defense still ready. You still got no fly zone, Vaughn Miller. Brandon Marshall, them guys are legit defensive studs, you know. So, what do you think the buzz is with the quarterback situation heading into the offseason in eighteen?
2: Well, John Elway and Vance Joseph had their end-of-the-year press conference about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and John Elway came out and he said, he said, we have to get better at the quarterback position. When you look at the NFL right now, the National Football League, and, and the state of the successful teams that you see in the playoffs, you know, there aren't many guys that are like Tom Brady or Drew Brees, in the National Football League right now. Guys who are very smart and and can make up for a lot of deficiencies that their team lacks. When you look at the New England Patriots, defensively they're very vulnerable in a lot of areas. Mm -hmm. But Tom Brady and his cerebralness and his preparation and his knowledge of the game with the weapons he has can take advantage of, of, of a defense that he has on his team that struggles. He keeps them in the postseason pretty much every year. Their defense hasn't always been that great, but Tom Brady's been the difference maker. Peyton Manning has always been a difference maker for the teams that he played on. Now, in 2015, it was almost opposite. The Denver Broncos defense helped carry Peyton Manning through a very hard year. Yes, sir. Yep. But Troy Rank of, obviously, Denver 7 Sports, he's a Broncos insider. He was talking about the fact that the Denver Broncos appear to be ready to move on from Trevor Simeon. Seventh-round draft pick that John Elway picked up. You know, a, a guy who we never really expected to be a Broncos starting quarterback at some point. But when Peyton Manning left in 2015, he retired you know, they were expecting Brock Osweiler to be the guy. Well, Brock Osweiler skipped out on the Super Bowl ring ceremony, the visit to the White House, and he was gone. He went to Houston. We saw how that all turned out. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> he he got burnt. He got torched, and he came back to Denver, where Denver only paid him $750,000 this year compared to Cleveland, who were pay- who was paying the rest of his salary every single year. So he made almost, I think, $17 million this year based from C- Cleveland alone and 750000 from Denver. And he was a safe gamble. Now – Brock Osweiler was the guy that the Broncos were expected to have as their franchise quarterback once Peyton Manning leave you know but that didn't work out that way so right. the Broncos lost Peyton Manning they lost Brock Osweiler mm-hmm. so now they found themselves in a position the free agency didn't have many quarterback options out there they had Mark Sanchez they brought in they traded for Mark Sanchez just as just to have a veteran guy on yeah. the roster heading into 2016 well they come into the draft and I've actually predicted they would pick Paxton Lynch. You know, they'd move up in the draft to pick him at, you know, they had the 31st pick or the 32nd pick in the NFL draft. They moved up to it's obviously secure it, but uh, they, they picked up Paxton Lynch and you know, he, he was a risky pick. He was a gamble pick that not a lot of people really expected. You know, they, they saw how he played in Memphis um obviously how he played against teams like alabama another you know texas a&m and and they're like okay well this kid this kid has some upside he has a big arm he's mobile and that's something that the broncos could work with well they come into training camp in 2016 they have obviously seventh round pick trevor simeon there as well so in your quarterback battle during the summer you have mark sanchez you have trevor simeon you have paxton lynch well paxton lynch didn't really impress a lot of people he had two good game he had two games in preseason where he was pretty impressive but the safe pick was trevor simeon mark sanchez turned the ball over you know we, we know that from mark yeah, sanchez yeah, but trevor yeah. simeon in the preseason in 2016 was actually playing pretty smart football safe mm-hmm. football and so he opens up the week one regular season kickoff super bowl rematch against the carolina panthers and, and trevor simeon looks pretty decent and so people are like oh who's this guy well trevor simeon leads the broncos to a five and zero record throws four touchdowns against the Bengals, and then they kind of plummeted after that. Trevor Simeon uh, broke his collarbone on his non-throwing shoulder against Tampa Bay in a weather delay game, and from that point he, he played banged up all year, and he didn't look good. He he regressed tremendously from that point. And so the, the main concern Broncos fans have with Paxton Lynch is that he was a first-round draft pick, but he couldn't beat out for two years in a row heading into 2017 when it was just him and Trevor Simeon. He couldn't beat out a seventh-round draft pick two years in a row. So a lot of people lost patience with Paxton Lynch. Now, Paxton Lynch, I don't know what his future is. I imagine they're going to keep Paxton Lynch on the roster, but he's not going to be the starting quarterback for the Broncos in 2018. So from what I'm hearing, Benjamin Albright, one guy that I you know, I talk with very you know, often here on Twitter— uh, every once in a while, he reports some great inside news. But, uh, you know, the Denver Broncos, to, to you know, feed off of your point on on Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold out of USC and uh, UCLA and John Elway being there. Well, the Broncos and the Jets have, a qu- you know, inquired with Cleveland and with New York on if they're going to take a quarterback with the first and the second pick because they're interested in moving up in the draft to pick up to obviously to get a quarterback yeah. now. I think the Broncos have a multitude of options. Now the Broncos coaching staff here at the end of the month is going to be in Alabama. They get a coach the Northern squad during the Senior Bowl uh, and and they requested specifically one quarterback that is on their team, Baker Mayfield. Now, a lot <laughs> of people are like, well, I don't want Baker Mayfield in the Broncos. He's, you know, he's a punk. I'm like, you know what? Baker Mayfield is, you know what? He's made mistakes. But when you watch Baker Mayfield, he is a passionate guy who plays with fire and yeah, energy. And I, I tell you what, that. I want that over what I've been seeing from the current Denver Broncos situation. Now, I don't know what the Broncos are going to do a quarterback here. The, the, obviously, the offseason pursuit with free agency starting here in March is, well, they're going to pursue Kirk Cousins aggressively. They're going to make a play for Kirk Cousins. Now, if they can get Kirk Cousins, some Broncos players, Brandon Marshall was just on the NFL Network with Andrew Siciliano talking about, mm-hmm. well, we played a guy in Washington that's pretty darn good. So they're hinting at the fact they want Kirk Cousins to come to the Denver Broncos. Now the question is, what, do you, you know, what are you going to do? How are you going to pay him? So you're going to probably have to ask yeah. some guys in the Broncos roster, Demarius Thomas, Von Miller, to leave some of those guys who have some big contracts with the Broncos, they may be asked to restructure their contract a little bit to spread mm. the money out over a couple of years just to open up some cap space for that. Um, but Kirk Cousins wants to win. He wants yeah. to win. And obviously if you go to Denver, you have a defense. You have yeah. some offensive weapons. Yeah. Now, the biggest concern outside of quarterback for the Denver Broncos is right tackle. You got to find a guy that can come in through free agency. You got to get a big game, big name guy that can cover obviously and defend against some of the AFC West best pass rushers. You have Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa, <laughs> Justin Houston, Khalil Mack, Tom Bahali, <laughs> Bruce Irvin. We're in, you know, AFC yeah. West is pass rush university yeah, in yeah. the National yeah. Football League. So. You're going to be playing against a lot of guys two times a year that get to the quarterback. So you have to have a solidified right tackle. And that's been yeah. Denver's biggest issue this year is right tackle. So, you know, I expect if the, if the Broncos get Kirk Cousins, I would not be surprised if they choose a uh, Saquon Barkley or a Roquan Smith or, you know, a Calvin Ridley yeah. at the number five pick. And you can see them obviously pick up a quarterback like Mason Rudolph in the second round mm-hmm. and, you know, just have some insurance. You know, the Denver Broncos, I don't expect Brock Osweiler or Trevor Seeming to be back on the roster for the Broncos this year. I just yeah, don't see that being a possibility. Yeah. But why not? Why not be able to kind of revamp some positions and bring in a big play guy? Could you imagine a Kirk Cousins and a Saquon Barkley? Yeah, uh, wow. That, I mean, I, I just get excited, you know, just thinking about it. But there are a lot of talented players in this year's NFL draft, and I'm, I'm super excited about it, man. This is one of the best drafts, I, you know, on paper, looking at it, all the positions, the depth, quarterback, running back, defense especially. You have all these guys coming into the draft this year. This is one of the most entertaining draft prospects of the entire year. So I'm excited to see what the Denver Broncos do, and obviously we'll probably have a good notion on what they're going to do Following free agency, if they get Kirk Cousins, well, I can imagine they're going to probably upgrade some other positions with the fifth pick in the draft. So I wouldn't be too surprised there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's surprising because I heard you talk about the offensive line. And like I told you before, I remember seeing Trevor Seaman take some big hits, you know, in, during the season. You know, you spoke about the collarbone, I think, you know. So, and I see y'all made an addition to your coaching staff, adding offensive line coach Sean Coogler. UTEP! Um, tip Yes, sir. And from the guys I spoke to at Utah over the last couple of years, he's been there. He's old school. He's hard nosed. And he's one of the world most well-respected real, real office online coaches around the league. When he was in the league before he went back to UTEP, you know, that's just all Tomato to anyway. So, what do you think the additional he, he's going to bring? Because I know he's hard nosed. He's old school. He, he, he just left Utah, where he had, I think, two All-American linemen, I think, you know, so. What do you think the addition of in him? Because I, th- I know that you spoke about the right tackle, and I know, like, the whole left side was kind of shaky, too, like, sometimes mm-hmm. during the season, too. So what do you think the addition of Sean Cooler will help with the offensive line?
2: I think Sean Cougar can do a very good job In helping obviously develop uh, the Broncos First round draft pick of last year Garrett Bowles out of Utah left tackle You know Garrett Bowles didn't have a Very bad year when you look at pro football focus And how he's graded. he struggled in a lot of areas He had a lot of holding penalties and he Gave up some sacks but he was honestly One of the biggest bright spots for the Denver Broncos On the offensive line because he is nasty Tenacious and mean he gets to the second Level and and the thing is he defends his quarterback When when his quarterback takes a cheap shot He's going to get in the guy's face and that's what I love About Garibaldi. He's mean. He's nasty. He has a lot of ability to develop. And I think with Sean Kugler, he can mentor him and develop him into a very solidified left tackle. Now the Denver Broncos have to keep Matt Paradise. He's obviously a free agent this year. They're going to sign him. I think he's a restricted free agent. They're going to sign him back again, I believe. And I think they're going to move. They need to move Ron Lurie from right guard back to his natural spot at left guard where he had so much success for the Dallas Cowboys. You have him at left guard to help out the obviously the sophomore tackle and Garrett Bowles. You have Matt Paradise at center who's been an all-pro center for the last two yeah, seasons. Yeah. And at right guard, I think they're, they're happy with what they've seen from Connor McGovern or Alan Barber. They could have Allen Barber there, you know, a veteran out of Philadelphia. And uh, obviously, you bring in a free agent guy or maybe you draft another, you know, right tackle. But I just don't think the Broncos at this point in stage would want to draft a right tackle to play opposite of a sophomore left tackle in the National Football League. But there are some NFL-ready offensive tackles out there, and I'm excited to see what the Denver Broncos do in that regard. But Sean Cougar is going to be a great addition, you know, he's mean, he's nasty, he's old school, and I think that's going to bode well because the Denver Broncos offensive line often at times last year didn't seem nasty, mean, or old school, or aggressive outside of yeah, a couple of players. Point. They, they seemed very passive. So Sean Coogler, is gonna, he's going to bring the attitude, and he's going to get on their tail about it. And, I, and I'm excited to see. Obviously, I'll be at training camp for the Broncos this year. Hey. Uh, I'm excited to see how that's going to go in practice and what that looks like. So I'm, I'm excited about the Sean Coogler hire. I think that's a great hire by John Elway and Vance Joseph uh, revamping the staff. And, and it's a completely entire new coaching staff this year, and that's the, that's the crazy part about it.
1: Cody, I have a question as well, man. I know we, we again when we having a good time, wow, time flies. Uh this Amen. should have been a white night sports short, but it's been uh <laughs> yeah, it's a normal episode now. I, I love It's something it. it's something that I had to think about, man, and, and, and I wanted to get your perspective. So you talk about the running game and Saquon Barkley, who's at Penn State and did his thing this year. But I look at I'm, – I'm talking my fantasy football talk right now because C.J. Anderson toward the end of the season, the last three games, helped me get third place in my fantasy <laughs> football league. So you got C.J. Anderson five years in the league. You got Devontae Booker. Then you got the veteran, Jamal Charles. So if you pick up a Barkley, what, 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 do you think that'll help the Broncos – knowing they've been having a uh, running back by committee for the past few seasons.
2: Hmm. Absolutely. Well, the thing is, is I, I don't think CJ Anderson will be back with the Denver Broncos this year. I, I have a strong belief that he will be a cap casualty gotcha. for the Denver Broncos this year. Gotcha. They like Devontae Booker a lot. Young running back out of Utah yes, a rookie yeah. last year, took a too. lot of strides this year. He still yeah. got some areas he needs to improve, but he's a, he's a very explosive tailback. Now, the Denver Broncos failed this season in utilizing Jamal Charles properly. Jamal Charles, anytime he touched the ball for the Denver Broncos, most of the times he ripped off a 4-5 or five yard, i about to say 5 yard, yard per games. Carry. Yep. He he ripped off big games. Now here's where the downhill spiral went for Jamal Charles and I'm not very happy about it. I've been very outspoken about this, but Jamal Charles against Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. Down there in Kansas City, Jamal Charles gets a carry against his, his first carry against his old team. 18-yard carry, Gash the defense. The next play, it is his second carry in a row. He gets a nine-yard gain, but he fumbles the ball on the way down to the ground. Marcus Peters picks it up and runs for a touchdown. At that point, we didn't see Jamal Charles once again. But here's my issue. You know what? Jamal Charles fumbled. I get it. And he beat himself up about it. But Vance Joseph and the Denver Broncos coaching staff continue to play Isaiah McKenzie at punt return. Despite the fact he fumbled six or seven punts this year, dropped punts, you know, cost the Denver Broncos defense field position, as well as Trevor Simeon, who continued to throw interception after interception. They didn't bench him, but Jamal Charles fumbles the ball one time, and all of a sudden he's not going to get carries anymore, especially when he was breaking off big games. That is where I feel like Jamal Charles. Was done wrong by the Denver Broncos now Jamal Charles loved the Denver Broncos growing up as a kid And so being able to be on his team He was excited and I was excited for him obviously the promise the explosive ability out of the backfield Mm. And he demonstrated a lot of that through preseason through the regular season And then he just didn't get utilized anymore And he was inactive for the last two weeks the Denver Broncos coaching staff at that point in my opinion They did Jamal Charles wrong C.J. Anderson was a guy who, you know, he got a lot of carries. You know, last couple weeks of the season, C.J. Anderson ran hard. He ran well, ran for over 100 yards. And uh, my biggest issue is that C.J. Anderson, most of the time, he dances before before hitting the hole. You look at Jamal (laughs) Charles, Devontae Booker, they hit the hole. You've got to hit the hole in the National Football League because I tell you what, with the the inside linebackers that have the ability to cover now and obviously be a plug in the run, especially in the AFC West, Navarro Bowman being a guy, you yeah. have to be able to hit that hole and get positive yards. When you find yourself in a second and 10, second and 11, or penalties where you are find yourself a first and 20, and then you obviously try to you know, throw a play the, on a first and 20, you don't get incomplete. Now you're on second and 20. You find yourself in a situation where it's just not smart football. And I feel like the Denver Broncos could have really went with a very good combination of the run game this year. They went away from the run game. They became very pass-happy with Trevor Simeon, and that's what lost them a lot of games. When you have your quarterback throwing for over 45 attempts a game and you only have about 15 rush attempts per game between three tailbacks, you're not going to win a lot of games in the National Football League with that kind of combination. Look at New
1: Orleans Saints. Oh, I'm just saying.
2: uh... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying.
1: Drew Brees like, yo, I can pass the ball. I mean, I don't have to pass the ball that much. Kamara, Ingram, y'all here, go ahead. I'll be ready when y'all ready for me. So,
2: I, I well, look at that too. though. But look at look at what that has done for the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> it has taken pressure off of Drew Brees, and in the past we've seen Drew Brees face all the pressure yeah, to right. succeed and to win. Right. Having those two guys has taken that pressure off his back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
0: Yeah, I know. we were just talking about that last week. You Murph, like Drew Brees, saved his arm all year. Not yep. It's the time he it right now. Going the yep. and all that. So it works out perfect for the Saints, too. You know? Yes, sir.
1: And man, with due to the time, man, man, I, I hey, Cody, you got to come back, man. You, you got to come yeah. back. Hey, I'm like, man, Anytime
2: you guys want me, man, I'm here to talk <laughs> sports, man. I love it. I love it. So with tonight's
1: games, man. That That's the last question. I, I want to get your predictions from now on to the Super Bowl, man, and we're going to wrap this puppy up.
2: All righty. So, you know, obviously Minnesota and the Saints, That this is going to be a tough game, and I said it this week. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, they're going to game plan to try to make Drew Brees throw the ball. Obviously mm-hmm. they want to take – Camara and Ingram out of the equation. They want Drew Brees to try to connect with Thomas and some other young wide receiver threats that they have. If they can do that, they put that pressure on Drew Brees. Now, if Kamara can utilize some one-on-one matchups with an inside linebacker, now the Anthony Barr is phenomenal for the Minnesota Vikings. They have a very mm-hmm. solid defense down there in Minnesota. So this is going to be a tough game. But I like to always look at this other equation on the other side of not playing a game You know, in the playoffs, having a first-round bye. You have the ability to get complacent a little bit. Obviously, it's great for getting guys healthy and obviously getting a, a week of game prep on your opponent. But the issue is complacency. And I like to look at the Denver Broncos-Baltimore Ravens game in the divisional round back in 2012 where Joe Flacco,
0: you know, and uh, obviously
2: Jacoby Jones, we got Raheem Moore. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we they went to the Super Bowl, and we ended up not going to the Super Bowl at that point. So, you know, complacency is a big thing now. It looks like Case Keenum's the guy here for the uh, Vikings. they got to just be efficient with the ball. Obviously, Adam Thielen, a very prolific receiving threat. He's going to mm-hmm. get some coverage options probably with, uh, you know, uh, Lattimore for the New Orleans Saints. He's probably going to be covering him. But then, obviously, you have Stephon Diggs. He's another target that mm-hmm. Case Keenum can utilize, especially if Thielen is covered. And then, obviously, Latavius Murray's kind of found a resurgence down there in Minnesota. Yep. They're down there in a new stadium you know playoff game in front of a rowdy crowd it's going to be a tough game but you know what my biggest question mark is on the saints offensive line now with andrews p being now with a fractured fibula yeah drew Brees has some pressure on him today and if he can step up and perform and throw the ball the way he did last week i think this is going to be a game we see come down to maybe the saints are trailing by two points or one point and they kick a game-winning field goal uh in the final minute of the game uh to advance the nfc championship mm. um and that's, that's my bold prediction for, obviously, the Saints-Vikings. Now, the game that we're going to see today, the Eagles and the Falcons. <laughs> Nick oh Foles. God. You know, the, Foles. the Falcons had a phenomenal year. Yep. Carson Wentz should be the NFL MVP outside of, you know, some other guys now because he was really phenomenal for the Eagles and their offensive system under Doug Peterson. Well... This is going to be a tough game. I was very impressed with how the Atlanta Falcons played last week, obviously on the right. road against the NFL's number one offense and the Los the Angeles Rams, Rams yep. under Sean McVay. Yep. They their defense played phenomenal Alfred is a phenomenal cornerback Deion Jones. They have defensive backs that bring the boom and they have inside linebackers. that are versatile enough to cover tailbacks out of the backfield. Their game plan is to make Nick Foles throw the ball. Okay, that's what they did with Jared Goff. They took Todd Gurley out of the equation as a runner last yeah. week and made Jared Goff throw the ball. If they can do that, they could take obviously Garrett Blunt. Jay Ajayi out of the equation for the Eagles today. They're going to be successful, and they're going to come away with a win here in Philadelphia. So my prediction, obviously, for the NFC Championship, Eagles – I mean, not the Eagles, the Falcons versus the Saints in the AFC and the NFC Championship, and on the AFC side of the ball, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it because it's the <laughs> Patriots. I think the, I think the Patriots are going to – I think the Patriots have an easy walk to, you know today against the Tennessee Titans. Marcus Mario, like I said earlier, he can't do it all. He can't play – you know, running back, he can not play wide receiver. We seen that last week. Um, <laughs> but I just think that New England's going to be too much for them, and yeah. it's going to be you know they're at that point. But uh, Jacksonville and the Steelers, Woo! this this is going to go. This is going to be a lot different than Week Five. Big Ben's not going to throw five interceptions. There we go. And they're when not we, in
1: London. Okay, Jacksonville no, exactly. in London. This is like it's <laughs> they, like
2: magic will happen. Well, look, when looking at this matchup, I, I tell you what. The Jacksonville Jaguars over the last couple of weeks have regressed yeah. from what they were in week 5. Absolutely. Defensively they're still playing tight defense, tough defense, but you know, Buffalo was still gashing them, Sh- you know, Shady McCoy was having a good day against the, you know, Jaguars here, but Tyrod mm-hmm. Taylor was, the, you know, he didn't make a lot of smart reads late in the game. Obviously got hurt, left in the hands of Nathan Peterman. That was one of the worst playoff games I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't know if I was ever <laughs> You know, as bored or unentertained Besides I think the that game Bills, Jacksonville offensively though, man. man, I tell you what, Jacksonville, Blake Bortles He can't throw the ball Yeah, his he, technique he really is can't. crazy can't But can all, I add
1: this though, right quick, fellas, about the Bills You think about the The 90s when they had Jim Kelly Andre Reid, Thurman Thomas So it's something with the Bills organization When it comes to playoffs that they still can't Get over that hump I'm just throwing that out there Especially They did a the 30 for 30 on
2: them <laughs> Damn
1: <laughs> My point exactly. So I just had to add my two cents in when you brought up the Bills.
2: And and that's a tough one. But, uh, you know, I don't think that Blake Bortles is going to have the opportunity to run how he did on Buffalo, oh, the bro. way he ran all over Buffalo. Oh, that was bro. surprising to me. You don't have – I mean, what if you play football, you know football. Roy you know this too, being a <laughs> defensive guy, man. Mm-hmm. You know that defensive ends in the National Football League and even college, high school, most of the time your responsibility is to keep outside contained. Okay? True. Yep. And I don't think they expected Blake Bortles to run it. And every time Blake Bortles ran the ball, there was zero outside contain. The defensive ends always crashed inside, and and I was wondering, are they going to make the adjustment? Are they going to make the adjustment to where they have the inside linebacker obviously stunt inside and they keep contained with the defensive end? We didn't see a lot of that, and it was very surprising. They never adjusted to it. So Blake Bortles ran for 80 yards, threw for 80 yards, and it was the ugliest win I've ever seen in the National Football League. They're not going to have that success against the Steelers defense that I think is a lot more – Uh, sound now than they were then and I think that the offense obviously the resurgence of Juju Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown being back in healthy Maltavis Bryant, I'm sorry a healthy (laughs) Le'Veon Bell in the playoffs. They're gonna run the ball They're gonna run the ball and they're gonna connect on passes when it when they need to and uh, The Pittsburgh Steelers gonna advance the AFC championship take on the New England Patriots. So man, It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting (laughs) ride and you know what I think if any team can beat the New England Patriots It's the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I just I think at this point with Tom Brady They're going to get the Super Bowl once again, yes, and they're going to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in a co- closely competitive game. Obviously, the last time these two teams played, we had the controversial call with Jesse James. It wasn't a catch. Even I don't know what a catch is anymore We don't know
0: what a catch is, Cody. We still it's crazy. All year, we don't know what a catch is.
2: Big Roy, let me ask you this question here, man. You know, when we catch the ball, I figure a catch would be you catch it, you maintain possession, you have two steps, there's a catch. And then all of a sudden now we have to factor in, well, did he maintain control as he went to the ground? <laughs> did the ball slightly move? Man, we are overthinking the catch process here. Or, or we did, or did the change. ground
0: cause the ball to move? It's like every, <laughs> every week is something different. Every week Gravity. Is something different.
2: We got to change that, man. We got to change that for sure. But obviously uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers not very happy. You know that that could be enough right there to propel them to compete and play well against the New England Patriots. Like I said, the Patriots have the easy road with the AFC Championship game and the playoffs coming through Foxborough. It's tough, but I'm eager to see how they do. And I think the the Steelers definitely pose the biggest threat right now. I think the NFC is going to take the Super Bowl this year, though, regardless if uh, mm. the Patriots or the Steelers make it. And I think mm. that it's going to be either the Falcons or the Saints. My prediction for the Super Bowl, though, I have the Saints taking on the Patriots. I have Drew Brees riding out on top with the Super Bowl trophy, knocking off Tom Brady and the Patriots. And then maybe this might be the end of the Belichick, Kraft, Brady era. I'm not sure. Hey, All y'all heard it, listeners. <laughs> But I love it. That's my bullet for it. You heard it here first. Yes, It's going to be the Saints versus the Patriots. Drew Brees going out on top, Super Bowl MVP, and the end of the Brady era in New England. Who that right? nation?
1: <laughs> 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 hey, Cody. Cody Rowe, Big Roy. Hey, man. hey, I, We got to come back at another time. Man, this was great. But, man, we spent over an hour getting it in. Wow, I said I'm 30 flying. to 45 minutes. Look at that! <laughs> but hey, y'all, we had a good time. I'm Cody again, brother. Thank you for your time. We'll definitely stay in touch. I know you had a lot going on, man. But thank you seriously for taking time out your schedule to rock with myself and and Big Roy, man, and continue success you continue to just inspire me to let me know that I can be affiliated with the professional team and still do mm. my normal duties and some. so thank you brother for real for that encouragement and, and just your journey and big Roy you know how we do it big dog
0: yes sir man Cody <laughs> man appreciate you joining the show man on inside on the Broncos man wish y'all nothing but good luck in the off season everything I got going up there in Denver man
2: I uh, Much appreciate. I appreciate both you guys. Big Roy, D. Murph having me on here. Uh, we definitely got to do this again, man. I'm oh, excited. We
1: will. We will. But, hey, you know we'll stay in touch, man. You got my cell. You know how yes, we sir. do. We'll we, definitely. And then this episode actually will be out in a couple of days. So. Perfect. Yes, sir. So, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I might try to do it tomorrow, just depending on my schedule. But, you know, the kids, they're like, <laughs> wait a minute, Pops. Nah, we need to kick it. So, But, man, listeners world, man. Uh, Cody, give your social handles too, man, before you go.
2: Yeah, be sure if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, check me out at Cody Rourke, NFL, C-O-D-Y-R-O-A-R-K, NFL. I love engaging with everybody that wants to talk about sports, man. That's what we do over there. Uh, You can catch me there. Everything, all the hot takes, all the polls, and all the great conversations with sports-minded folks like yourself, man. I appreciate you guys 110%.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Big Roy, social tags, big dog.
0: Twitter, man, turned the row, man. Uh, IG, rowboy underscore 88. And Snapchat, Snapchat. rowboy25, man.
1: (laughs) World, IG, Twitter for me personally at HD You can listen to the show on all platforms, including iHeartRadio and Spotify. Hey, y'all! Until next time, we out. Peace.
0: For now, I am Cole Johnson of Cole Sports, and this has been your Why Not Sports short. This has been a special report from Why Not Sports. Now. Back to your regularly scheduled programming already in progress.